Welcome to Boston's Best, a podcast where you go behind the scenes with financial planner Mark Condon as he asks industry-leading experts in and around Boston to talk about their businesses. Mark will find out what sets these companies apart from their competition and how they have risen above the inevitable challenges they have faced along the way to their ultimate success. And now, here's your host, Mark Condon. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to episode 44 of Boston's Best. The goal of this podcast is to highlight businesses in and around Boston. My guest on today's podcast is Derek Heltzel. Derek is a partner at Standard Title and Escrow. Standard Title and Escrow is a company comprised of real estate attorneys that assist you with the purchase and sale of real estate properties. They opened in April of 2019 and have three locations in Massachusetts, Peabody, Reading, and a satellite office in Boston. Derek grew up just outside of Phoenix in Glendale, Arizona. He went to Arizona State University and then ended up in Boston, where he attended BC. He fell in love with Boston when he was 12 years old and has been here since 2014. After a couple of years at another firm, Derek and his business partner, Jim Richards, co-founded Standard Title and Escrow together. Going from a bi-weekly paycheck to a $0 salary with student loans is no easy task, but the excitement of creating something on your own and starting your own business has already paid off for him. In this episode, Derek tells us that in just under two years, they've grown from two employees to now with 15 employees. He credits their success to leveraging their strong relationships they've built with realtors and mortgage officers. They're also taking a newer approach with their overall marketing and branding techniques. The color red now means standard. And be sure to listen to the end as Derek shares what he sees for the future of standard title and escrow, what he'd tell his 18-year-old self, and how he defines success in any given year. And so with that introduction, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Boston's Best. Good morning. This week, we have Derek Heltzel. Derek is a partner at Standard Title and Escrow. How you doing, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. I'm excited to have you on. We've known each other for about a year and a half now, so I'm excited to finally have you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks. I've been, uh, I've been waiting for the invite. I've been watching these for a while now, so I'm glad, uh, glad it's finally my turn. Yeah, well, you know, I wanted to get a rhythm going. You know, I didn't want to yeah. have you be the guinea pig. <laughs> Uh, so I wanted to get a rhythm going with the episodes, and we're, I feel like we're in a rhythm now. So I feel like it was a good time to to have you on. Um, good. good. Again, I appreciate it. Yeah. So before we get into the business itself, tell us a little bit about you. Did you did you grow up around here? Where'd you grow up? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so like I said, my name is Derek Heltzel. I am uh, born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona. I grew up in a suburb uh, of Glendale. I uh, went to undergrad at Arizona State University, and then um, from there. Uh, ended up in Boston, um, where I went to law school at Boston College, and like many transplants to to the Massachusetts area, fell in love with the city, fell in love with the state, and now, fortunately for for you guys, you're stuck with me here. <laughs> <laughs> how, how long? So, how long have you been in Boston for? So, I, I moved to Boston in the fall of 2014. A good a good amount of time. I feel like a regular uh, yeah. at this point. Yeah, you're not a newbie. You're ingrained. Yeah. You're ingrained. I, I've been through a number of winters. Um, including the winter with, uh, you know, the 112 inches in four weeks. So that now I'm, uh, that was, I'm a a pro. Yeah. Was that your first winter? That was was my first winter, 2015. Yep. Welcome to new England. Yeah. Came came in with a bang. That's for sure. I'm surprised you stayed right after that. Um, (laughs) so was the plan to stay in Boston? Was it kind of open-ended? Did you think you'd go back to Phoenix or? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, it's actually kind of a funny story. So I, I, I came to Boston for the first time um, when I was younger. I was about 12. 
fell in love with the city then. I made the determination that I was going to go to school at Boston at some point um, at that at that age. Boston College specifically, um, I was an Eagles fan, so I wanted to go there for undergrad. Undergrad didn't work out, um, but I was able to, to manage to get there for law school. So uh, once I came here, it was it was everything that I wanted it to be. So yeah, I guess you could say that it was kind of a plan from a young age to, to come to Boston. And then, you know, just, just being here during law school confirmed that it was actually the place that, that I wanted to, you know, uh, start a business and, and, and be part of the community. So, so yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of always the plan unless, yeah. it, I, unless I came here and it was just absolutely terrible, then I probably would have gone back. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. It, but yeah, but yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, glad, I'm glad you're here. So did you always plan on being an attorney? Was that the, the goal pretty much right out of, right out of high school? Um, it's something that, you know, has been in the back of my mind, probably my whole life. The typical story, my, you know, argue with my mother as a child, she always told me to be a lawyer. So it was, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was something that I always wanted to do. Yeah. Real estate lawyer, um, maybe not so much. I didn't really, uh, you know, going into law school, I, was, I went very open-minded. I always thought I would be a litigator. Um, cause again, I thought I was good at arguing, but yeah, law school changed and really, you know, focused, made me focus on another area of law that I wasn't necessarily particular about going into, but, but ended up working out very well. So after college, did you open up standard then, or did you work somewhere before opening up? Yeah. So, so when I was, when I finished law school, um, I went and worked at a a firm in Boston. I was there for two years and, you know, that's basically where it it was, it was a great learning experience for me. Um, I worked under a, a great partner there who, you know, taught me the, the ropes. It was real estate predominantly. So it taught me the ropes, you know, allowed me to kind of start building a book of business for myself while I was there. And then after two years, kind of let me uh, at that point fly on my own. So uh, it was there that I, I met my, uh, I met my partner um, at Standard, Jim Richards, probably about a year after law school. And then, you know, we kind of formulated this plan to, um, we were both at separate, separate firms. um, And we both kind of formulated a plan to, you know what, let's, uh, let's do this for ourselves, right? We have the, we have the the knowledge to do it. Let's go for it. So it was, it, it's a scary thing, right? To, to start a law firm, um, you know, at the age of, you know, 27 and, and Jim was 25. So, um, you know, two young guys putting up yeah. a shingle was, uh, had its challenges, but, you know, in the, you know, a little under two years that, that we've been doing this, you know, we, we, We've grown the firm from the two of us to, you know, there's about 15, 15 employees and paralegals at this point wow. um, across a number of states. So it's been a, it's been a fun uh, year and a half of, of growth for us. Yeah, that's a really fast growth trajectory yep. in just a short period of time. So bring, bring us back to that moment with you and Jim of like when you finally decided to start Standard in your own, in your own business. I mean, and how does it work too? I, you know, I don't know how it works in the your world, but... Did you have just a zero salary when you went to go start the business? And, you know, tell us a little bit about that. That can't be. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I was, so, so Jim had, you know, left his old firm and started standard a few months before I ended up actually joining. So he kind of laid the foundation for me, which made yeah. it easier, but nevertheless, it, it, it was very, you know, what, what I've learned about going out on your own is I'm not sure if it ever feels like the right time, right? There was, there was probably about eight months where it was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. It's not the right time. I'm not financially, I, I, I can't just give up the the biweekly paycheck, right? Because that's what I was getting at, at my old firm. So it didn't feel like the right time. People even advised me like, you know, don't, don't do it. It's not the right time. Um, but finally, I was like, you know what, 
is it ever going to be the right time? And I don't think the, I think the answer is no, right. It's never going to be the right. You're never going to feel comfortable enough to, to, to do it on your own. So, so yeah, I, I, I took the leap of faith and it did. I went from having a biweekly salary to, to zero. Right. And I had to, you know, luckily I had some clients with me at the other firm that kind of just carried over, but even that, you know, it took a, you know, a couple weeks, couple months to start actually generating revenue yeah. in the in the new business. So that was the most. Di- I think that's one of the most difficult parts, um, and, and getting over that hurdle of of jumping into something that's unknown and, and not as stable as what you're used to. So that was that was tough, but but rewarding, you know. And and now is very rewarding, um, having gotten through that that time frame, especially those eight months of just I can't do it, I can't do it, and then you know you do it, and then you're you're so much happier on the other end of it that you did it. Oh, totally, dude. Totally. Like, I mean, la- the last 12 months, really since COVID, like my mantra has been like, if it excites you and scares you at the same time, you should go for it. Right. Like, yeah, absolutely. There's a reason you're excited about it. And there's a reason it scares the hell out of you. Right. Like you, nothing wrong with being W2, getting a consistent paycheck. But if, if you really want to start your own business, there's never going to be a right time to do it. Like I right. took, I took a zero salary job four years ago from a completely different industry. Like I had a mortgage, like it was absolutely terrifying. Um, but you figure out how how to do it and then eventually it just pays off in the long run. But so tell us about some of the early successes that you experienced where you and Jim knew that you were onto something like, okay, we actually have a viable business. We can see the growth and tell us about some of the early challenges. I, I'm, I imagine that list is probably longer, but you can- <laughs> well, it, yes, uh, the, the challenges are, are at the beginning are definitely, definitely longer, but you know, the successes, you know, once going out and seeing with so now with a partner who's in a same a similar position as you right because because Jim was in a, a similar position going out and getting that first client as a team is probably one of the the most rewarding experiences right cuz cuz yeah. now you've you've set yourself up you've made the the made the jump you're scared you're nervous you you're questioning every decision you've ever made yeah. and then you know the fear of okay well now am I actually going to, am I going to get business right like yeah. now what yeah. you you, you I'm in a position where I, I, I eat what I kill and am I going to be able to kill anything? Right. That's for, for a good analogy. So yes. Yeah, so watching that first referral as a team come in and then the second and third and fourth, right. The snowball effect of, of, of being able to, to bring in clients and in realizing that, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, I having a partner can bring you so much more, right? So it's it's yeah. it's doing things as a team. You think you can do everything as an individual, or maybe that's the best for your business. But you know, teaming up with somebody, I think, is also one of the most rewarding successes of, of the process as well. Because just seeing it seeing it work in practice was was great. Gosh, I'm not even going to get into challenges because <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Um, I mean, just you know, just as simple as I, you know, I'll. I'll always remember moving into so Jim was in an office just all all by himself it was like a little shared office in Wakefield just probably the size of a storage closet yeah and then him and I you know moving the giant copy machine into a uh into a U-Haul to bring to our our little bit bigger of a closet in Reading yeah. um and just being like being so small and just like the unknowns like what what how far that's been in a in a year and a half has just been Sorry, that ended up being a success again, but just amazing. No, right? Like, like, in like it was, it was September. We were sweating. It was hot. You know, <laughs> where it's two little guys pushing this big machine up this, <laughs> this wall. 
and then, it, it, yeah, it, it's just, it's, it's very rewarding experience. Yeah. And you said you're located out of Reading, right? Um, so we actually just moved into a new office space in Peabody. We start, we started in Reading. Yeah. But I got a bigger office space because, you know, we grew, we needed more offices, more conference rooms. Um, so we got a nice space in Reading for our, for our main office. We have, we actually have three offices in Massachusetts. We have the main one in Peabody. We have another office in Lynn. And then we also have a, a, a satellite office in Boston as well. Tell us about how you came up with the name. And then I got to be honest, I'm a big fan of just the red. You got red. Yeah. <laughs> red, red is your color. Anytime I see red. Uh, but you so really- it's actually, I don't know. If, I don't know if Jim wants to be tell the story how I came up with the name, but it's funny. So Jim, Jim came up with the name on his own. Um, Jim, Jim came up with standard. And he actually came up with it and uh, he was in an airport restroom going to the bathroom and the brand of the toilet was standard. So he was, he was in the urinal and it said standard right in front of him. And it like clicked to him that that would, I know we were thinking like something about like real estate and, yeah. you know, cause we, we've, we've grown the, the brand into, you know, like quality comes standard character comes standard, right? Like there's, yeah. there's a lot of, things you can do with standard in the brand, but that's not where the name came from. It came from the <laughs> toilet, but um, you know, it, it, that's the truth. That's, that's how it, that's how it was born. So I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> I like that. That's a cool story though. That's a cool story. Yeah. And how do you, and how, how'd you come up with just like, you guys are red everything. Like how'd you come up mm-hmm. with the color red? Is there anything behind it? Is just like, what is the thought process? It, it just looked good. And then, so that's kind of evolved as well. Finding like the, you know, it, well, so it, no, there, there's some some theory to it, right? And that's from a branding perspective. Everybody knows Tiffany Blue, right? It's even it's 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 trade it's trademark, right? A color is trademark because it, it's brand recognition, and people recognize yep. Tiffany Blue from a mile away. You'd be like, oh, that's a that's a Tiffany box over there. Yep. So it's it, we actually did put some some thought into you know picking the right color because you know a lot of people use red in their their business, but coming up with the a red that we could brand everything with. And we really do. If you walk around our office, every every office has one accent wall that that's the color red behind you. So every office, every conference room, the carpet and the floor has a little bit of it. So 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 yeah, it's uh never gonna be Tiffany's because but but in the real estate world, we wanna be the Tiffany's of real estate closings in in Boston, right? We want we want our experience, you know, to be a concierge type experience for for clients and you know anywhere not not even if it's a not even a million dollar purchase right we we want the experience to be the same for every client no matter the price range of their their property um it's a purchasing a property is a big investment for people um it's stressful there's a lot of unknowns it's 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 you know for most people it's the biggest investment they'll ever make in their life so we want to provide kind of off that tiffany's brand thing a luxury service for every client and in a, in a small way, just having the brand recognition of the colors, one of the ways of doing that. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's a branding technique and I think it's, I think it's really smart. Like you have the red tie on, you get the red in the shirt in the yep. behind you, you get the red <laughs> in the wall behind you. Like yep. any time. And when you guys open up your Instagram page, like it's just red everything. And now right. I think of standard when I think of red and that's, right. that's right. ultimately the goal that you want for right. anyone that's comes around you guys. So I, right. I think it's, I think it's a really cool branding technique and a really cool way to go about it. Sure. Great. I'm, I'm glad it's working on you. <laughs> so that's, <laughs> we're, we're getting places. 
Yeah, man. So it's, I mean, it's not easy to start your own business, right? So for yourself and Jim, are you guys both type A, OCD? How do you like balance each other out when you're running a business with somebody you're, you're friends with? <laughs> so it, it it's, that's a very good and funny question because Jim and I are very different in the way we approach things. Okay. Um, and we counterbalance each other very well. Jim is very good about numbers um, and being, you know, XYZ straight to the point. Here's what he just happens to, to, to run a successful business. Here are the margins, et cetera. Um, that's not my specialty, right? My specialty is more of the human side of things, right? Of running a business, working with people and, and, and keeping people, you know, realizing that it's while business is all about the margins of the money, it's not all about the margins of the money, right? There's much more to, to running a business. So Jim handles that part, I handle this part, and all together it, it it's working. So yeah, no, it's good. I mean, business. If it was all about the money, then truthfully, you wouldn't be in business long, right? Like people, mm-hmm. people got to know, like, and trust you to do business with you in in most industries. So right, right. Uh, numbers obviously are part of it, but it, it can't be everything. So let's get into the the business itself, like standard title and escrow. Like let's give the lay of the land of like what are the full suite of services that you guys provide for your clients? Because I remember. The first time I bought my house, I mean, that was, God, that was almost 14 years ago at this point. I signed, it felt like 300 pieces of paper. So <laughs> like, it's, a, it's, probably it's, a, six, it's probably 600 now. That was that many years ago. <laughs> yeah. The, the stacks only get bigger. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Uh, and it's, the whole process is confusing. It's it's stressful. So tell us about like the full suite of services that, that you guys provide at Standard. Yeah. So we are in Massachusetts, a uh, real estate law firm. We represent buyers, sellers, and banks, uh, essentially in the purchase and sale of real estate, both residential um, and then also commercial. You know, from a, a buying perspective, Massachusetts is a unique state. Um, there's only a handful of states that require attorneys to be involved in okay. all real estate transactions. Like, for example, Arizona and Florida, you don't need an attorney, right? An attorney doesn't touch the process at all. Yep. Where in Massachusetts, the buyer is required to have an attorney. Um, the bank is required to have an attorney. Um, sellers aren't legally required to have an attorney, but 99.9% of the time, the seller is going to have an attorney if yeah. he's going up against you know one or two attorneys on the other side. Okay. Um, so for the most part, a real estate transaction, residential and commercial, are going to have mostly two, but sometimes three. Um, I say, say mostly two because, as I was just mentioning, Massachusetts allows for dual representation. Um, which means that one attorney can represent both the bank and the buyer. Basically, the buyer and the bank's interests align, right? The buyer yeah. wants to buy the property. The bank wants to lend the property. Right. Uh, just makes it easier to put one attorney for both of them. Streamline that process. It also, on a purchase, we represent both the buyer and the bank. Um, what that's going to entail is, is after a buyer has an accepted offer on the property, the, the offer is going to come to us um, as the, the attorney, and we're going to negotiate what's then called the purchase and sale agreement with the seller's attorney basically is a, we take the offer and we just make it more verbose, right? The bigger document that contains all the material terms and then also all the terms that no one actually really cares about, but is there for protection for the clients in case something were to go south in the future. So once the purchase and sale is signed, that's what officially puts a property under agreement. Um, Some people think it's the offer, but it's really not until the purchase and sale is done. Okay. Um, then from there, you know, our office is going to essentially work to clear the title, right? Yeah. Um, when you're purchasing a property, you want to ensure that you're purchasing what we call clear and marketable title, 
It basically means that there's no encumbrances, that the seller is actually the person that owns the property. You know, you're not purchasing it with, you know, an easement for the neighbor to hang out in your backyard whenever they want. All all of many, many items. But that's what our office does is is we we work to certify a title. We then are able to issue what's called uh, a title insurance policy, which is basically just an insurance policy on your title. Okay. Um, that protects your interest in the property after you purchase it. Um, we then also work with the bank. We finalize your your number, the closing numbers, schedule the closing, we attend the closing, and then we review the 600 documents that you mentioned earlier at the closing table, sign those with you, answer your questions, et cetera. Um, and then we also handle all of the funds. Um, we're an escrow company. So all the, the funds for your closing come through our office. The bank's money, um, if you have to bring money to closing, that comes to our office. And then we disperse everything from there. So that was a very high level explanation, but also very long. So as, yeah. you, can, as you can imagine, there's, there's, there's a lot more within that process. But essentially, you know, from a buyer's perspective, that's what we do. And, and we're here to, you know, like I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, it's a very, it's a very stressful process, especially yeah. if you're doing it for the first time. There's many unknowns. There's, there's, uh, there's a lot of questions that that come up. And really, as as the attorney on the on the file, is I'm here to answer those questions. Yeah. Whenever, right? Um, so every client of mine has my cell phone number, and I tell them at the very beginning of the process, like, look, if you wake up in the middle of the night worried about something and you yeah. just don't know the answer, like, shoot me a text. If, I, I'll text you back. We'll, we'll don't carry around this burden. Like, oh, I can't call my lawyer because he's going to think this is a, a a dumb question. Like, no, no, no. Like, call me, text yeah. me, email me, and we'll 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 walk you through the process because because it's stressful and, and we understand that. The average person like myself, like everybody's a, pro- a professional at what it is they do, but I have no idea for the most part what the hell I'm signing when I'm going through a real estate transaction. Right? Like, it's just. Like the, you get, you guys explain it very well. And this does this, this does this, this. And there's so many things, but it's such a big purchase. And you're signing so many documents that like, even in the middle of it, like you're, you're happy you're buying a home, but you're like, is this like exactly what I'm supposed to be signing? Like, is this all accurate? And it's just, it's a very stressful process. And then one question I have, which I think at this point in my life, I understand it. But for people that don't understand it, what is escrow? I've heard that yeah. question a ton of times and people are like, I don't even know what the hell escrow is. <laughs> um, so that's a good question because it, it's, it's, we, we use the term a lot. For example, it's not just for money either, right? So like an attorney will say, hey, I'm going to send you the deed, hold it in escrow, right? Exactly. So what does that mean? Is there like a box called like the escrow box? <laughs> but basically it's, it's, it's the safekeeping of funds or documents by a third party facilitating the transaction, right? So you have the buyer, you have the seller, and then we're kind of like the middleman that's just going to collect everything, hold it safe so okay. that you know no one's uh, you know, no one's taking anything off yep. the top, etc. Yep. And then we're going to disperse it back out. So we're going to send okay. the deed, the registry of deeds to record it. We're going to send the funds to um we're going to send the funds to the seller. We're going to send bank payoffs, etc. We're, we're we're just the middleman that disperses everything. So that's a good, it's a good explanation. Cause I remember when I, I, first- I tried, no one's ever actually asked me what escrow meant, but it's a, <laughs> a confusing term and it's used quite often. And I know people are just like, whatever, like, whatever. That, that's exactly what was my, my thought when I first bought the house. Like, it was like, we'll hold it in escrow. I'm like, okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, is that a town? Like, I don't know like what that is. Uh, sure. All right. So that's good to know about the full suite of services that you guys provide. 
Now you've stepped up your marketing game a little bit. You guys have an Instagram page. Like, how, what have you found to be a good use of marketing? What have you found to be a bad use of marketing? What made you pop up on Instagram to capture that? Like, what are your thought processes around that? Yeah. So this is a this has been a challenging task. Uh, there's been a lot of discussions amongst you know members within the firm of what's the best way to market, especially you know today. You know, there's a very old school way of marketing, which is you know in print. Right. There's there's magazines, there's newspaper ads, um, and a lot of law firms still do that. How beneficial is that? How much business are they garnering from that? No idea. How we are kind of looking at it as is is who's sending us our business, right? It's it's you know, my my referrals come from real estate agents and yep. loan officers, right? I don't do a direct to the consumer referral, right? So the the Average person reading the local newspaper isn't going to see Standard Town Esco and be like, "Oh, that's what I'm going to use is, is right. real estate." Company, right? Their real estate agent is going to say, "Here's who you're going to use is your right. your your real estate attorney." So where where are they marketing? Right? Where is the real estate agents and the loan officers spending all of their time? And they're spending all of their time on social media. Yep. Right? It okay. is you if you follow any real estate agents or any loan officers. They are constantly posting about the market. They're constantly posting about open houses. Yeah. Um, that is their bread and butter. Like they still send out magazines and stuff like that because they're going after the direct consumer. Um, but for the most part, they are very social media driven. So we need to be as well, right? Because that's who's going to, we, we need to be in front of them in order for us to get business. And that's where it's at. So it's, uh, it's been, it's a difficult thing to do again, because you know, who cares about a law firm on social media? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's very, we have to be very, um, you know, uh, it's not easy. We have to think about what we're posting, why we're posting it. Yeah. And is it effective at all? Right. Are we wasting our, our time? Are we getting any return on it? Yeah. Um, but we're slowly figuring it out. And I, and I think it's very beneficial. And, and for us, that's where I think we're going to going to remain for a while and, and kind of evolve with with that. Yeah, I mean that's kind of where it is nowadays, right? Like you're just following the the realtors and the loan officers. That's where they are. They're on social media, looking at homes. I mean, my wife and I will drive around neighborhoods on a rainy afternoon and just go look at nice houses. Like people like looking at nice houses. So if you if you have like a go to realtor and they're constantly posting stuff about that, you're gonna see the homes, and then in turn they're gonna tag you and stuff when they use you, and then people end up on your page, and then they'll see the red, and it's just like this like oh, constant man. flow, and it takes time yeah. and it builds up, but like that's the natural progression. And you're right, like who's gonna follow like attorneys on Instagram? Like it's right. not like right. it's not like a go to like page right. that people are gonna search for, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, um, real, real estate attorneys in Massachusetts. Uh, it's not a high, it's not a high. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever searched that, but. If you're tagged in all the real estate firms and like it, right. you, you guys have done that, right? Yeah, you guys have done a really good job uh, with it. Like you, I don't know how it works. Maybe because you and I know each other, and I always like all of your stuff. But like anytime you post something now, you're at the top of my newsfeed. There you like, go. I figured out the algorithm through Instagram. Yeah, and your stories <laughs> are like the first one, and I was just like. It's working. Like it's just yeah. the social media algorithms. Like it's working. So right. and and and. You know, we're not doing it nearly enough yet. Again, it's a very, it's, 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 it's a time consuming process. Social media is, it is. It, it's, I find it very, very difficult, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's a work in progress and you'll continue to be bombarded with our, <laughs> sorry, bring it on. But you're right though. It is, 
it is a lot. It is a lot of work. Uh, you have to dedicate hours, you know, every week to add this to, for lack of better words, like your repertoire of like, of ways to market yourself. So I totally agree. So let's get into the last year or so. Uh, you know, COVID. How did for a lot of industries, COVID smacked them like right upside the head. COVID like decimated and annihilated a ton of industries. But one thing we saw is we thought it was going to hurt real estate, but real estate in general has gone up a lot in the last 12 months. And I imagine that would be a direct correlation to your business as well. So like, how did, how did COVID affect you guys in 20, the last 12 months, we'll say? Yeah. So it, it, it was a concern at first, as I'm sure it was with everybody in every business, you know, in March of, of 2020, everything pretty much shut down yeah. and it was, it was a big question mark of what was this going to pick back up? Is this going like, are people going to start like what's going to happen? Yeah. Um, you know, so fortunately for us is after that kind of that first month time period, the real estate market, the, the, the agents, they sort of figured it out of how they were going to continue to market properties, virtual showings or, or so have you. So luckily for us as the attorneys at the end of the process, the agents and the, the loan, they figured out how to make it work. Right? <laughs> yep. They never, they never stopped. So, so that kept the, the, the business going. Also, I mean, supply is down on, on properties. I think, yeah. uh, Last month, I saw that, you know, there was more real estate agents than listings for like the first time in like in the country. Right. So there was, right. So that's, that's a crazy number. But with that, you know, there, there's still, you know, despite COVID people, buyers that were in the market to buy prior to COVID happening, never really left the market. You know, there's still a a large chunk of people that want to buy. And and really the problem is that there's nothing to buy. Um, So uh, to, to that extent, you know, I think it, it's carried over because there's just there's still just an influx of people that are still looking to buy and yeah. they haven't been able to, and it just continues to carry over. But that's that's more of a market analysis that I'm not yeah uh, trained to talk about too much. <laughs> no, uh, that's uh, just from what I'm seeing. But but the business itself, you know, we you know the Massachusetts also passed a law, um, you know, towards the beginning of COVID, allowing for remote notarization, which you know part of our our issue is with COVID was, you know, to close a real estate transaction, you have to sit down in person because Massachusetts law requires that a notary be present physically to notarize documents. Yeah. Um, Could not do electronic notarization. So Massachusetts did pass a law, which didn't really end up making it to the real estate industry anyways, because it was too cumbersome on process and would take too much, too many days to get done where real estate all happens all in the same day, right? When, when you're purchasing, you are signing, you are going to record, you are getting the keys, everything needs to happen the same day. So there's, yeah. really, not a, there's really not a lot of time for me to send you the documents for you to sign yeah. online and then send them back to me. And there. so, so while it was, it was a good, attempt and it worked well for estate planning for real estate, we kind of just had to figure out how to continue to meet in person. Okay. Um, so I started, I did closings on the back of cars where um, we would open up the trunk and pull out a little table and I would put wow. the documents down, step away, they would come upside and we would just go, it would take forever, but we would go back and forth and I would explain and we were outside. Um, did that quite often, actually. Um, did a lot of outside that's wild um <laughs> uh which was you know challenging i i mean i in the winter we would do it in people's garages <laughs> like we would they would they would open up the garage and it, so we had 
but same thing, there'd be a table and we would just go back and forth. So, you know, we adapted and we, we yeah. made it work how, it, however people were comfortable doing it, obviously sanitizer, all that stuff was always happening, but, but, yeah. but yeah, we, we would do any, we would do anything that, that a client would require, um, yeah. in order to get the deal, the deal signed. But nevertheless, we still had to meet in person to sign. Um, yeah. but yeah, you think that'll always be the way you think it's going to, you think it'll ever shift to not have to have it in person? No, not in Massachusetts. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair As enough. I mentioned earlier, Massachusetts is a, a unique state when it comes to real estate transactions. And that's yeah. one of the unique, but it's, I also think it's a good aspect. I think it's good for the, maybe not necessarily for the consumer because they have to come in person. They can't, you know, you can do everything else online these days, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think with the real estate transaction, everything is so transaction specific. I think being in person, um, kind of to your point about just signing a lot of things, imagine signing all those things and not having at least an attorney there to yeah. explain to some right. extent what you were signing. You know, if you were just going through online and just click, 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 yeah, you would have no idea. Right. Yeah. So I do. I do. I do think that's important. While cumbersome on the the consumer, um, I think overall is, is a good thing. Yeah, no, that's a valid point. Because I, I think about my business and my industry and if I'm opening something up for somebody, it's what, three signatures, like three e-signatures and that's about it. And you're good. Like, I don't know how many is in a typical real estate transaction, but 45, imagine doing that online. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. No, that's a, it's a really good point. Cause that's a really good point, especially with that big of a, you know, that big of a transaction. So that makes sense. Okay. So what do you see for the future of standard? You guys have been around for just a couple of years. So you're very young, but you've had a huge growth rate already. You have 15 total you know, employees. What do you see for the future of Standard? You're going to expand into other states? Yeah. So, I mean, it, just over the past couple of weeks, we've, you know, we're licensed in Rhode Island. We are licensed in New Hampshire. We should be licensed in Maine um, over the next week or two. So, uh, you know, expanding to be able to cover all of New England, um, I think is, is important for us. Um, we also have an office in Florida, also have an office in Phoenix. It's the Florida market's great because a lot of people in Massachusetts like to, to right, they either have a vacation home in Florida or they move to Florida. Right. Uh, so being able to, again, kind of be your attorney when you, when you purchase your house in Massachusetts and then, you know, do your closing when, when you move to Florida or when you, when you right. uh, buy your, your vacation home. So I, I long-term, you know, the, the company wants we want we want to grow the company right we want we want to do every every real estate closing in the state yeah. you know it's <laughs> um, no, great and, you know we want to do it the the right way and we want you know the the client to the end user um, to have a, a good experience and we we pride ourselves on providing that type of service to our clients so so yeah we uh coming to a state near you if we're not there already <laughs> <laughs> no i think it's great the florida is very Tactical. I like that because, yeah, I mean, you know, my Andrea and I went down to Florida um, recently for just a long weekend. And I mean, if we didn't have my 13 year old dog, like, you know, we don't have any children right now. Like, I, mm-hmm. I would, I'm all remote pretty much for at least for myself. I'm fortunate enough to be remote that I could stay down there for an entire month. Like, I was like, if we didn't have Champ, like, I would stay down there for like one to two months and just actually enjoy some nice weather. And, and and to that point, there's also, a, there's a lot of real estate agents in Massachusetts and loan officers who are licensed in both states. So it, for, yeah. for them, for, for our referral source to be like, look, you have right. a client, you don't need to go call some random title insurance company or title and escrow company in Florida. Like we'll just do it for you. So it's uh 
it's I think it's a beneficial service we offer clients and then our referral partners as well. No, I think that's huge. Uh, I think that's huge. I remember when I first bought my house, I didn't realize that the realtor, the loan officer, and the closing attorney were like, I had no idea because I was, I mean, I was only 23, but I'm like, I had no idea they were three separate companies in general. I just thought it was like, this is their team. That's who I work real with. Real estate, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Real estate. Yeah. I had no yeah. idea. Um, the real estate office. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this might be, I mean, you're a young guy, so this might be too far off, but being a business owner, what I've noticed is a lot of people are very driven all the time. Like I'm always go, go, go. I don't know if I'll ever pick 100% completely retire. Like I feel like I'll always have something going on, like even if it's just passively. Do you picture yourself, unless you're mentally or physically incapable of working, do you picture yourself ever like completely 100% retiring and just like sailing off? Um, no, I don't. Um, I am a, just my personality in general and my person is, is I need to be structured or having, I need to, I need to be busy. Otherwise it's just no good. Right. Like I, I, that's, I, I perform at my best when it's go, go, go. Right. Yeah. I can't imagine just sitting and doing nothing. Right. <laughs> yep. I, I'm with you. So, so yeah, I, again, I, I guess that could maybe change over the next couple of years. That's why after I've been doing this longer, but as yeah. of right now, I don't foresee that, that being yeah. the case. No, I'm the same way. It's funny though, because before we hopped on to record this, I had about 20 minutes and the emails were cleared. Like anything else I had to do was prepped, done. And I'm sitting around for 20 minutes. Like I literally have nothing to do. Like I'm oh. so bored right now. Like I, <laughs> I can't imagine a full day or a full week or a full month. Uh, like I enjoy golf, but golf's, you know, four, four and a half hours. Like I don't know what I do outside of that. So, right. <laughs> so I'm always curious. Just it, it seems to be yeah. pretty consistent throughout business owners. So outside of work though, right? So like, what are some of the hobbies you enjoy doing? Uh, do you, you traveled anywhere you enjoy traveling to or? My new thing is recently started boating since I'm a, you know, Massachusetts resident. Now I had to get yeah. into of course. Know, being born and raised in somewhere with no water in sight. Um, <laughs> I learned how to drive a boat last year and that's nice. just I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> uh, you know, once, cool. once I got over the fear of trying to dock it, which was extremely difficult to, to <laughs> out, um, you know, without having a break or, uh, you know, yeah, just pull it up, but fun, super fun. Yeah. Um, I'm a big, big boater now. Travel-wise, uh, gosh, um, right before COVID, um, I went to Barcelona for the first time. Nice. That was by far the best place I think I've ever been. I mean, I haven't been that to that many places overseas, but Barcelona is a beautiful country. So that was, uh, nice. I would like to go back to Spain just because it was, it was so much fun. Um, That's cool. I've never been there. I've never been there. I would, no. I would highly recommend it. It was, it was great. I'll add it to the list. Cool, man. So last last couple of questions I ask every guest uh, on Boston's Best, these two questions. First one is, if you could tell your 18-year-old self one thing, what would you tell them? So this is, it's a very funny that you're asking this question. And, and the reason why I say that is because this was my go-to question when I was in law school and I was meeting with partners at big law firms or, uh, really? yeah, this was like my, or like interviewing, like this, this was the question that I would ask them. They, everyone always loved the question because it was unique and they'd be like, oh, wow, that's a really good question. <laughs> and, and so I, that's, it's very funny that that's, that's the question because that was, that was my go-to. To that point, to that end, I could tell my 18-year-old self one thing. Um, I guess maybe, you know, I think back about 18, I think about being in college and, and not really, I, like I said, I went to Arizona State. It was, it was, it was fun. You know, I think it was... It's a, <laughs> I'm struggling with that question. Uh, maybe you asked it for so many people. 
I know. It's like, I know. And I, no one ever turned it back on me. So, um, <laughs> but I mean, maybe just to, you know, st- to, to stay focused, but give yourself, you know, uh, time to, to grow and learn, um, and really learn from your, your lessons and, and mistakes. You know, not that I haven't done that, you know, I made it to law school and all, and all that, but, you know, just, just allow yourself to organically grow and, and, you know, it'll, it'll come, I guess, but no, to I, stay focused, it, staying focused is, is, I think at 18 is very difficult to do, but I think that's a great answer. And like, even to 18 year olds now, I mean, you know, you and I are in our thirties, like when we were 18, social media wasn't as huge as it is now. Right. Like it's like it's everything people do all the time and people constantly compare themselves and they don't actually they force themselves to try to grow up faster than they they probably should. So, no, I think it's a great answer. Just give yourself time to grow and and focus. I think that's a great answer. (laughs) Nailed it. I'll work on that one. But when when interviewees start asking me that question. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, man. Well, look, last question. I've asked every guest this question. If everyone has a varying depiction of what success looks like to themselves. So how do you define success? Yeah. So, I mean, I look at success in, in kind of two, two different ways, though, you know, kind of like with goals, like long-term and short-term. Yeah. Um, I think more importantly though, is, is recognizing your, the small successes in, in yeah. life. Right. I, I think it's a, I, I look at success on a, on a weekly basis, right. What was, what did I do successful this week that bettered me, bettered my my business, bettered my life. So you know, I define success as as setting those goals, meeting those goals, and and growing on a a step by step basis. The, the long term successes will just come from those 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 small bite sized pieces. Yeah, does that define? Yeah, I mean it, it's your def- it's your definition. <laughs> That's but, my I mean, definition. Yes, I mean I would agree though because I had this conversation. I think it was probably middle of last year um, with a colleague of mine. I was like, one year, I want to be here. Five years, I want to be there. 10 years. And he was like, dude, stop. He's like, stop after five. He's like, you don't know what's going to happen six months from now. He's like, five years ago, you weren't even in this business. Do you think? I was like, all right, well, that's valid. Like, So all you can do is like figure out what's in front of you now, figure out the short, have big picture goals, right? Like, but be flexible in how you achieve them, right? Like, don't be so structured and rigid into how you achieve them. But yeah, you, you get attacked with the weekly and the monthly, and then the yearly will just compound on itself as, as long as you take care of the little stuff. So no, I think it's, I think it's a great answer. All right. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> nice, man. Well, Derek, Derek Helsel is the partner at Standard Title and Escrow. Thanks again for coming on Boston. Yeah. I was happy to have you on. Thanks for having me, Mark. I appreciate it. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to say thank you for checking out my podcast. I really do appreciate the love I've received for this show. I believe now more than ever, any exposure to local businesses is great for them to receive, and I'm trying to do my part. If you are a local business owner or someone you know in the Boston area that would like to be featured on the podcast, please email me at bostonsbestpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please follow this podcast. It's available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. You can also find us on Instagram with the handle at Boston's Best underscore podcast, as well as Facebook at facebook.com backslash Boston's Best podcast. Again, I truly appreciate the great feedback for this show and stay tuned for each new episode every Friday at 8 a.m. Take care.